Thank you for joining us this morning. Bless you can tune in, watch our Sunday morning message, or we're continuing in a series on Joseph. Just want to say a word to you before we get started, how touched I am, the different, the different responses we've had from different classes, different members of our church that have really reached out, doing a great job in your Zoom life journey groups, some of the ways you've reached out to members of your class that have had some needs It's a wonderful thing to be part of a church body where people truly care. Thank you. I'm blessed. I'm going to share a little blessing tonight, a little bit later during our message about how God is working in so many different ways, but I'm blessed that we can be here together right now in spirit, even though um, there's only a handful of us here doing this technically, but I'm longing for that day where we can all be back in this room and sharing fellowship together. Before we get started, um, Bubba has, through the, uh, the miracle of technology, gotten me some of the different stories we have today from his book of puns, wisdom, and riddles, and uh, you wouldn't want to miss those on any Sunday morning. So here we go. Maybe you know some of the answers to this. What is the fastest liquid on earth, according to Bubba? If you didn't guess it by now, it's milk. It's past your eyes before you see it. See how bad that was? I know you don't miss those things. What is the strongest days of the week? Of course, it's Saturday and Sunday, according to Bubba. The rest are weekdays. Another bad one, right? But there's two more bad ones. Hang on. This one I thought was a little bit clever, Bubba had. What rock group has four men that don't sing? No, that's probably not it if you guessed. But if you guessed Mount Rushmore, you're right. Okay? And last but not least, Bubba's advice, do not trust atoms, A-T-O-M-S. Do not trust atoms. They make up everything. Boo, right? But there's a tie-in to that. The tie-in to that is this. We know God created atoms, but he makes up everything. And because he is the God, creative God behind everything, the, the narrative regarding Joseph and what's taking place is that much more powerful. He not only controls the atoms, he controls destiny, he controls time. As we'll look at tonight, we're even going to look at weather. We're going to be looking in the book of Genesis, and there's some larger passages we're looking at today because we're looking at the dream that Pharaoh has. So you can follow along at home as we look at it and read it right here. It says in Genesis 41, 17 through 24, Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream I was standing on the bank of the Nile, when out of the river came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly and lean. I had never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt. The lean cows ate up the seven fat cows that came up first. But even after they ate them, no one could tell that they had done so. They looked just as ugly as before. Then I woke up. In my dreams, I also saw seven heads of grain, full, of, uh, full, of, full and good, growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads sprouted, withered and thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the good heads, and I told the magicians my dream, but no one could explain it to me. 
So Pharaoh has this dream. The word of God records in uh, Genesis 41.8 that he was troubled when he had this dream. And as I mentioned back then, we went over that verse. Troubled has this idea that he was stirred and worried. Have you ever had something just so on your mind that, or something in the future that was just bothering you? He's troubled. He can't rest with it. He's restless. He's stirred. And so he explains this, tells it to those people in his cabinet, as it were, his kingly cabinet, and his magicians cannot explain it. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a God that directs and a God that redirects. And sometimes God takes years to make a lasting moment. I got a letter this week, and I'll refer back to this during my message And it ties directly in to what we're talking about today. Sometimes God takes years to make a lasting moment. And so we have this moment in time where the word of God has some powerful words. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, the time has finally come. This meeting of these two people, the most bizarre meeting you can ever imagine, because no one would predict someone that was in a vile place like a kingly prison would be brought before the king to do the king a favor. But there he is in just the right time. It does answer a question for us. What can just one person do? Well, in and of ourselves, one person can't do anything. But one person connected to God, all things are possible. Because with God, all things are possible. And so we see this incredible journey that's beginning to take fruition as far as the redemptive nature of what God was going to do, not only in Joseph's life, but with Egypt and with Israel. I told the magicians, Pharaoh said, but none could explain it to me. I had this thought as I was reading in this, and perhaps you've had the same thought from time to time. Pharaoh, in a sense, was forced to seek further guidance. He was forced to do it. Bible tells us that these magicians couldn't do it. Pharaoh's trouble, when the king's trouble, is kind of like the old saying, if mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And Pharaoh wasn't happy. And the thought that came to me, what if the magicians, seeing that Pharaoh was troubled, pretended to give him some kind of interpretation? What if they said, oh, king, here's the interpretation? You ever thought about that? They could have lied. It's not like people don't lie to their leaders. They could have told a a lie or made up a story. And I wondered if they had, what would have really taken place? Perhaps Pharaoh would have been satisfied. Perhaps he would have said, oh, that's great. And he would have told some bogus uh, interpretation of the dream. They would have had the seven years of plenty that were coming. But they probably wouldn't have prepared for the famine. They would have squandered it. And so God, even though he works through the lives of Joseph and Pharaoh, God also worked through those magicians by keeping their mouth and their thoughts from even interjecting something like that to Pharaoh. God's in charge, isn't he? If you ever doubt that God's not in control, look at these little nuances that come from the story as we look at it to see how God even stopped them from telling a lie to the king so they can cover their own selves, their own tracks, but, but God. 
Remember, God directs and God redirects, just as we see here. He redirected conversations. He's redirecting history right from this very dream. And sometimes God takes years to make a lasting moment. In Genesis 41, 25, word of God tells us, then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Now, when I say God directs and redirects, it tells us here in very plain language, God is the one that's working all these things out in the life of of Egypt. And Joseph wisely uses this opportunity to tell Pharaoh, this is all about God. He's the one that's doing this. He's the one that will give me the interpretation. Now, there's some great lessons that come from what Joseph's sharing this story because he wisely uses this opportunity. And you see, sometimes God takes years to make one lasting moment. And in those moments, things are touched in such a way that only God could have done it. And this story has been years in the making. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he's about to do. Joseph's statements proclaim several different things. They proclaim God's power, power even over the mind to send a dream. God has power even over our very minds to show us things and direct things in our lives. And God can still do that today and does do that today. So Joseph demonstrates and uses this opportunity to make statements about God, God's power, God's providence. Think about this. There was going to be an incredible famine taking place. But in God's providence, he's revealing it. Not only is Joseph's life going to be touched forever with this, his providence over the care of Joseph, but his providence over the care of Egypt and over Israel. Pretty incredible thing. And we see that because of God's providence and care for Joseph, Pharaoh, Egypt, and Israel, All of history is impacted. We also see Joseph giving testimony to something else and what he's going to share. He's giving testimony to God's foreknowledge. On my smartphone and on yours at home, I can go like I'm doing right now. I've already put it on there. I can look up the weather just like you can. It'll be on there sometimes seven, eight, ten days. They say the um, reliability of the 10th day of a forecast on here is around 12%, okay, 10 days out. I want you to think about this regarding God's foreknowledge. God predicts the weather 14 years out, seven years of plenty, seven-year drought. God knew 14 years from that time when the weather was going to be, and the fact is God knew what weather was going to be here back then because he does have foreknowledge. He's not bound by time. Time is an island in the sea of eternity. And so Pharaoh is seeing these different elements of the God that Joseph believed in. He sees God's power. He sees God's providence. He sees God's foreknowledge, all elements of God's nature, of God's essence, and of God's character. All of these attributes that are a part of our Godhead, we get to see Joseph developing in this pagan nation. And who has called on him but the leader of that nation. 
Now, remember, as we read through the word of God, not every word that was taking place in a conversation is recorded. We wouldn't have, we'd have to have a Bible from here to Alpha Centauri, the, the, our closest star. There's too much just to record all of a conversation. But I have no doubt that there are many times that Joseph elaborated on these different things and shared about the true God of Israel. He saw that 14-year weather report. God saw this unforeseeable moment in Joseph's life. Joseph couldn't have seen that unforeseeable moment, could he? Sometimes God takes years and years, in Joseph's case, to make a lasting moment. Some of you have been out there working at a particular job or serving your family's parenting or caring for parents. And it's a lengthy job and it does take time. And during that time, there can be periods of frustration of where is God in the midst of this? And even though compared to the life of Joseph, who was carried away when he was 17, and now he's 30, 13 years. Joseph remained patient and waited on God. Remember, some of the things that may look useless now are like they're not making any difference. God is using those things just like he did in Joseph's life. Remain faithful. There's one characteristic we can all have in the commonality of this particular narrative. We can remain faithful. And after a week and a month and a year and the next year and the next year of faithfulness, God can call up those moments, take years to make a lasting moment. And this is one of those times. It's not the only time in Scripture. We see those lasting moments take place when someone by the name of Philip, years falling into the Jewish faith, gets a call to go see an Ethiopian eunuch who had come to Jerusalem for years seeking truth. And God brought about one of those unforeseeable moments. They're all through the word of God. People didn't see rain in Noah's day. What's rain? God was watering the earth through fountains. But then that unforeseeable moment happened. You see, God is the God of unforeseeable moments. And many of the things that he directs and redirects come and bring these moments about. And at just the right time, God brings about unforeseeable moments. Some of you may be having those even at home right now with your children, your spouse, your family, your life journey group, and ways that you reach out. Received a really sweet letter this past week. God used it to touch some people right here in our office. We do have a skeletal uh, crew here, just a few of us, but touched lives. And this testimony has gone out from my mouth to others pastors that I know in other states to share what God is doing. Well, as we move on and we look and you see the word of God says in Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God can work good out if you're in a slave caravan, if you're slandered, if you're thrown in prison, if you've received injustice, God can work it all for good. You see, that's where faith comes in. You either validate the invisible or you don't. You either believe in what God has said or you don't. Joseph stayed faithful. And it took years. But God, after all those years, made a lasting moment as we see this conversation converging. 
And so Pharaoh's saying, Joseph, I, I can't find anyone to tell me this dream. We pick it up in verses 26 and 27. As Joseph interprets it, only through God. The seven cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that come up after the seven years are so, are so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. And so Joseph's telling him there's going to be seven good years, seven years of famine. There's one thing that we probably, because of our free society, don't understand quite as much about what's taking place here. But you don't want to bring bad news to the king. You don't want to bring bad news to the king, but Joseph has no problem telling him, you're going to have seven good years, but there's going to be seven years of famine. Seven years of famine under normal circumstances would be the end of a nation. But Joseph is a true servant of God. And as a true servant of God, he exhibits some things that every believer ought to exhibit. First of all, he exhibits boldness. He speaks the words which God has given him regardless of circumstances. He's delivering the message of truth to someone that had the power to say, I don't like that interpretation. What? Famine? Take him out. Do the same what I did to the baker. Do to him. Joseph exhibited boldness. Joseph exhibited something else, something called courage. Pharaoh, uh, Joseph tells Pharaoh the bad news, a seven-year famine. Now, once again, we have an obligation to tell people the good news and the bad news. We can tell the bad news first. The bad news is, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The good news is, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We cannot get to heaven by anything we can do, but Jesus Christ paid our way into heaven when he bled and suffered and died on the cross, not for his sins. He was sinless, but he died for our sins. You see, the bad news is all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, all excluded from heaven except for one thing, because there was that moment after years and years, that lasting moment where sin's price was paid for on the cross by God himself, And he came out of that tomb in that lasting moment and paid our way into heaven. We are to have the courage to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Joseph told the truth, and Joseph was direct. He exhibits a a quality of a true servant. He has a characteristic of all prophets of God, all believers in God. He is telling the direct truth. Doesn't candy coat it, doesn't add in, but the other guys might do this too or throw in some other kind of idea. He tells Pharaoh right up front, this is what God has revealed. This is what it's going to be. Some great lessons to take from his life as far as those three different qualities are important. Now in Genesis 41, 28 through 32, we see some interesting things here. It says it is what? Just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown. God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered. 
because the famine that follows, it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God and God will do it soon. Note, Joseph highlights God, the certainty of this is there's no doubt about it. And the soonness of this, there's no doubt about it. God will do this soon. The matter has been firmly decided by God. And so we see this incredible tragedy that's going to be coming upon the land where there's going to be a famine for years. I've never lived through a famine of any nature like that, not, not even remotely close to anything like that. None of us, I don't think, have. But think about how awful that would have been if there were not preparation for it. And so God, even through this circumstance that people would say, it's awful. God's going to lift up one of his people, someone that's been faithful, someone where it took years. God took years to make this lasting moment. Bring him before that king so that he can do something that we'd be talking about thousands of years later. Not only in that day and time, but thousands of years later. Here's the thing. We never know how fast things are going to take place on earth. Do I have to punctuate that any more than we have these last couple of months? One day we're all going to the store. We're all sitting in here worshiping. Everyone's going to their workplace. And the next thing we know, all of us are on lockdown. And life is very different. It has been different. It frankly, it's kind of weird when you go and you see people waiting in lines with these spaces, people walking around with masks, whole cities shut down. It's very strange. Life can change so quickly, can it? And either way, think about Joseph. He's in prison one second. The next, next few minutes, he's taken out of it and before the king. Change from one state to another. Joseph tells Pharaoh, we're going to go from much to scarcity. I've wondered how this whole thing eventually turns out, what we're going through right now in our own nation, in our own world. Trying to be, I have, I have no line to the truth on that or what's going on. I'm in the dark as much as, well, even some of the experts are. But I've thought about some of that reading through this, going from much to scarcity. I know there's already famines taking place in Africa because of some of the different things that are happening. God's prepared his people. God, think about the people going through this without the Lord Jesus Christ. What a time. And so we have to be very careful that we learn how to bless God in all the seasons of life. I want you to look at the passage that the Apostle Paul gives to us from the book of Philippians, a book of encouragement. He says in Philippians 4, 12 and 13, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. Now, most all of you out there understand that and you probably have lived in some of those circles also in need and in plenty. Paul goes on to say, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Do you see where that verse comes from? Many times verse 13 is quoted, but not verse 12. Verse 12 talks about contentment first. First, you must be content. See, it's a blessing to have both the understanding 
of plenty and of want, of much and of scarcity. Because you see, God doesn't change. Our final destiny doesn't change. Our sonship doesn't change. God is still in control. And circumstances around us may not look like that. They may look like things are falling apart. They're not falling apart to God. God's got us in the palm of his hand. And as God sometimes takes years to make a lasting moment, I believe God's already been using this to make a lot of lasting moments throughout this congregation and through our world. You see, Joseph knew about contentment. Circumstances change. God doesn't. Think about it. How quickly circumstances change. If there's ever a narrative in the word of God regarding a personality, Joseph, he's in that whole web of things that are taking place that are just bizarre things. The injustice, the, the, the traitors and for his family members, the, the liars, the slander, the injustice. God used it all. And through it all, we don't see Joseph complaining. Through it all, we don't see Joseph throwing other people under the bus. Even when he's talking to the baker and the cupbearer, he tells his story without throwing even Potiphar's wife under the bus or his family. He says, I'm here unjustly. What a great thing. See, God takes care of those who take care of the business of the kingdom. And Joseph was faithful and knew enough about his God to be true to him. Because really, it's God that matters because he doesn't change. I don't know what's going to happen with the circumstances we're living in now. As of right now, I understand around May 8th or so, the latest thing I got today They're going to stop some of the lockdown. What that means for us as far as meeting in large groups, I have no idea. Or if that will change, I have no idea. What I do know, God is in control and he doesn't change. He's faithful today, yesterday, tomorrow. He's always faithful. He's all of his attributes simultaneously all the time. Perfect love, perfect grace, perfect justice, perfect mercy. It's the nature of our God. And so... We can find contentment in that. We may not like circumstances. We can find contentment in it. Paul did. I said, I've learned the secret. I've learned it. And Paul had some hard years, but he had some incredible lasting moments. Many of them recorded in the word of God, but I know there were many more than that. The same for Joseph. And God's no respecter of persons. He's got lasting moments that you've either invested in for years in your children, your friends, this church, in relationships at work. And there's going to be some lasting moments that come out of those. I want you to see something. In verses 33 through 36, it says, Joseph goes on. He tells the problem, he interprets the dream, and he's there before the most powerful person in the world. But he's shrewd. He's smart. And the word of God talks about in the parable of the unjust steward or the wise steward, as some talk about that passage, found in Luke 16, that when he finds out when he's going to lose his job, he does things. And they're not really honest things. He marks down the bills of how many bushels of things, how many gallons that his debtors were to pay his master and marks them down. And Jesus commends him. Many scholars have argued over the years, this doesn't seem like Jesus commending dishonesty. 
Jesus doesn't commend dishonesty. He never negates what he's already said. And dishonesty is wrong. It's sinful. What he does commend is someone that took advantage of opportunity. I want you to think about that parable. and Think about this in the life of Joseph. He could have dropped it there. The king just wants to know the interpretation. And Joseph tells him. But Joseph doesn't stop there. You see, many times people are asking us a question that can potentially open up a door, one of those lasting moments that God wants to open up in our lives. God wants to open those up, and Joseph is looking for that lasting moment, not just to tell the interpretation, but to give some great advice. And because of this advice, boy, think about without it, where would Joseph be? Let's look at it. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man, and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming up and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. Pharaoh, you need to find a discerning and a wise person. Parenthetically, you didn't find it in your magicians. They couldn't interpret the dream. You couldn't find it in some of the other people, the geniuses that surround you. They couldn't find it. But my God, who speaks through me, And gives me truth, has told you the interpretation of the dream, and here's what needs to happen. What an incredible testimony we see unfolding here. You see, God directs and God redirects. First, Pharaoh was directed to his magicians, the people who could always he could always go to and depend on to help him. But they couldn't this time. Do you know there's people living in our world right now that have depended on lots of things under normal circumstances that they can't depend on now? These are great opportunities. These are where we have our faith anchored in something that's eternal, that God is making those potential lasting moments for us, having built those relationships and those friendships and families and among those in your schools to use them in a powerful way. People are wondering, will there be school this next fall? Colleges be going back. Will there be further furloughs? Is the the virus going to come back even bigger? All kinds of questions people find themselves to toil and worry with. They're legitimate concerns, but listen carefully. Jesus said, by worry, you can't even add one hair to your head. And he said, you don't even know about tomorrow. Why are you worrying about all the other things? You may not even be here another 10 minutes. Put your faith in me. You see, I direct and I redirect. And there's sometimes it's the hardships that bring out the best in faith, the best in true believers. I've seen it in this church. I've watched you in these times as many churches are struggling under a financial burden. I have pastor friends in other states. I've spoken to many of them. Some just call in to see how we're doing and then share their story. Some have been furloughing people. Some are taking government funds. You're faithful givers. You're the real deal. We're not only just making things, we're ahead. 
Thank you. God bless you. We decided we're going to do what God's asked us to do. We're going to keep people. What would Jesus do? We're going to keep people on our payroll. They can work from home. May not be as much to do. Maybe sometimes there are days there's more. We're going to keep them on. We're going to trust God to take care of things. And his trust is exhibited through your faithfulness. I'm blessed to be able to share that. Lots of things God's doing. You see, Joseph understood how to act wisely and seize the day. Here's the problem. Here's what's going to happen. And then Joseph gives a solution. When those calls come in, I'm depressed. How are you all doing? When they come in, I may lose my job. How do you respond to that? We're all using it. You may be a leader in your workplace, in your school. How do we respond? Seize it. Some of your relationships have been taking place over years, and you may have not seen one iota of fruit from it, but God's been waiting to do something that's going to make a lasting moment because he directs and he redirects in ways that are unforeseeable. And he tells us here in Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 8 in God's word, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler. Yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. God does expect us to practice due diligence. He's given us a mind. He's given us a rational mind. He's given us intellect and reason. We're to save up for such things that may take place in the future but never without the blessing of God. Never not like the, the, the rich man that built more bonds, uh, barns. Not I will, but God willing, we will. And we're blessed. And I pray there's some great lessons that even come out of this. Even for people in a nation that are primarily spenders, not necessarily savers. Even in government. Sometimes people don't learn from history. But I pray in your personal history, you can make some of the changes if you need to adjust to some of that. See, there's some significant things to learn from this. Note something that's very important, and sometimes it's a fallacy among people that know Jesus. They're legitimate believers, but they make a mistake, and it's this. Joseph does not presume dependence on providence. He doesn't presume just to lie back and say, well, that's what's going to happen. There's going to be a dream. Let's just see what happens. There's going to be a famine, blah, blah, blah. No, he doesn't presume his dependence on providence, but cites a plan that exercises great wisdom in providing for the future, doesn't he? And dear friend, it's never a good thing to presume on God's providence. Well, I'll just sit back. God says, I want you to work with me, cooperate with me. I will take care of you. He does say, look at the birds. They don't toil. They don't spin. But when you look at birds, you find out something. They cooperate with God, don't they? They wake up, sing a wonderful song. They go out, they hunt and peck and look for food. They feed their young. They build a house. They cooperate with God. God expects us to cooperate with him. So in those instances in life where you may find yourself now even being a little bit short in some of the uh, more months than money, Maybe a wake-up call, maybe a good sign to say we're going to change some things. So many people in our church, so many in this fellowship have decided I'm going to stop running my prosperity. I'm going to take care of God first, which is a fallacy among many people worldwide. They want to take care of themselves first. No, take care of God's, uh, God's kingdom first. Then pay yourself. Dave Ramsey talks about that. Take a certain percent of your check, 10% is a good start. 
put that away. Then take care of your other commitments. Use other money for offerings and others, but do those things first. In our world, we've learned some of the opposite things, but God says, consider the ant. Take the opportunity when you have the opportunity. It carries off in so many different directions. And let's look and let's see. Look for discerning and wise man and put him in charge. This is important. Don't miss this. A significant life lesson to learn from Joseph's ministry. Use the present well. He didn't choke out after all this time, all that was probably built up inside of him. He doesn't choke out. He steps to the plate. Use the present well. Don't let this particular season of our lives right here with this viral thing going on in confinement, don't let it go to waste. Use it. Use the present well. I love hearing stories about what God's doing in in the lives of people at home with families, bonding families. Some relationships have been brought back together. Some old friendships where people haven't contacted others for years were recontacted and witnesses have gone out. It's a great thing to see that happen. Thank you. Thank you for using the present well. Now, as God sometimes takes years to make one lasting moment, you to see this. It's that parable I was talking about, the shrewd manager in Luke 16, 1 through 13. Opportunity is knocking at all of our doors in different ways. And many times it's very seeable and we can understand what it is, but many times we don't. What do you think Joseph was thinking? He was marching off in a caravan to Egypt. Great opportunity. He was being faithful. Sometimes in the midst of confusion or in the midst of disillusionment, we must stay faithful. And you may be there right now. The shrewd manager used his opportunity. Jesus commends him. Do you know why? Because he used the opportunity for the future. This is an opportunity to use for the future. Build it. Build a stronger family. I love, I'm hearing reports of people studying God's word learning more about God's word during this time than I ever have during my length in ministry. It's become very personal. We're to use that for the future. And there'll be some people that will enter the kingdom of God having come out of this time because you, you, you have taken advantage of this, this time of calm where people are home, they're more apt to want to talk. And there's been so many lives reconnected because of that. What a blessing that is. In the words of Jesus, Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so this is a good measurement of that. Put your heart in heaven. This is temporary. All the things that are happening are temporary. And once again, Jesus said, we don't even know about tomorrow. God has this. Don't let this virus become God in your life. Don't give it power. Don't give it free rent in your brain to run every negative scenario by. We can be aware of certain things. We can practice due diligence, but it's not God. Circumstances change. God doesn't. God directs and redirects. God's working in the lives of our children, students, adults, singles, wonderful things. This letter came this week 
and it's, it's from a sixth grader. It's from a sixth grader, a young girl. And it's a personal note. I'll not read all of it, but she was just highlighting the services and these hard times. And her, she and her family watch, wishes some uh, well wishes to me personally and my family. And during the course of this letter, she says, when there's a broken escalator, we can make it a temporary staircase. I know she was listening last week, right? She's sixth grade. Then she says, I hope you can use this to help others in our church. God bless you and church, other church members. And inside here, she had 10 $1 bills. I have to tell you something. When I opened that up and read that and saw this sweet child, and I'm not going to mention her name, that would make that kind of investment. I just went out into the hall and I saw some of our financial people. Saw Steve, one of our pastors, and said, can I just share a blessing with you? Can I share a blessing how God is getting into the lives of our young people during this time? It's not about this. It's about where someone's treasure is. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. To a sixth grader, I don't know how much that is. Is it $10,000? I don't know. But you see, there's a measurement of faith there. God's word had an impact because someone was home, a family was watching, and a young girl's heart took time to write a letter, place a stamp on it, and take $10 and say, use it for this church. Got to tell you, I don't know what's been invested in her life for years. I'm sure there's been a lot in that home. I, I know some of the home as far as the belief system. But I can tell you this, sometimes God does take years to make a lasting moment. And that's a lasting moment in my life from her. And I pray in yours also. I pray it touches you. You see, there was a time when Jesus saw a widow just giving a couple of mites in the offering, and it's recorded. And I love stories like that, and I pray it provokes you to good works. I pray pray that you take away from today the fact that you may be in the midst of something right now. You don't even see an end to it. You continually wait patiently for God. God has the best for you. God has some lasting moments for you, but you have to be there faithfully through the years to end up in that place where you can say to someone, I'm the person. Find someone. And we're going to get into that next week, who the king decides who's a discerning and a wise person. There's blessings in store for those that follow after God and do it his way. And sometimes we have to fail a number of times before we finally learn enough through our thick heads, I'm going to try it. God's way this time. I'm going to do what's antithetical to what all of my feelings have told me before. I'm going to do it God's way. And if that's you, if God has spoken in your heart because maybe you've been a little bit down about some situation, it may be relational, it may be financial, maybe work-related, maybe just the confinement that's just giving you cabin fever and driving you nuts. I don't know what it is. Word of God still says, be still and know that I'm God. God directs and God redirects for even people who are pagan magicians. Their mouths are kept quiet so Joseph can step in. 
Their mouths are kept quiet so something can happen that's an incredible moment in all history. Think about it. There can be some eternal moments coming out of you. I'd like you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a few minutes. If you're at home, just sit there with your loved ones or if you're watching alone, that's fine. Does God need to redirect anything in your life? Are there some things going in such a way that saying, God, I need to just see your hand in this. God gave Joseph a very definite sign. He's able to interpret this dream for the cupbearer and the baker. He gave him that gift, and God used it later on. Didn't use it immediately. Use it at just the right time. Are you getting a little anxious, not wanting to wait on God? I pray through his Holy Spirit right now, you're encouraged to wait patiently upon him for that lasting moment that may be just right around the corner, but I don't fool you. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's well into the future, but it's coming. You stay true to him. God will bless you. Look up here if you would. Church, thank you for loving our God. Thank you for the homes. This is an example of many where young people are being raised with the right kinds of values. God bless you parents, grandparents, you teachers that teach here in vacation Bible school and week after week in our life journey groups. I love calling and finding out that there's calls being made to the whole body. People are being blessed. Thank you. It's a blessing to serve with people who are the real deal. And when we do get back here to worship our Lord together, Maybe there's some things none of us will take for granted anymore. Maybe there's some things we've all learned through this. I know I have, and I've been blessed through that. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you as soon as possible. Next week, we'll continue in Joseph and see how God's working incredible things. The God who directs and redirects. God bless you.